grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God which engages us this day is the epistle lesson read previously, but especially the last verse of that lesson, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12, where Paul writes, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Thus far the text. Dear friends in Christ, this morning I'd like to ask you to use your imagination with me for a few minutes. And for some of you with extensive biblical knowledge, this might be a bit of a challenge. But let's imagine for a few minutes that we have no Bible whatsoever. And let's also imagine that we have no history of God working through that Word of God in our lives. In other words, we're going to wipe the slate completely clean in terms of everything that God has revealed to us about himself. If that were the case, what would we know about God? If that were the case, what could we know about God? Oh, I suppose we might walk out some night on a clear night and see the vast array of stars over our head, Some morning we might witness a breathtaking sunrise or some evening a breathtaking sunset. We might consider at some point the complexities of the human body, for example, the intricacies of the human eye. And all of these considerations and more might lead us to the conclusion that there must be a God out there somewhere All of this is just too vast, too grand, too complex to have just happened on its own. There must be a being out there who is far more intelligent and far more powerful than are we. But who is this God? And what is our relationship to this God? And what role, if any, does this God play in our everyday lives? And what impact, if any, does this God have upon us after we die? For these and many other critical questions, we would be without a clue. And we would have no way of finding the answers to these significant questions. Well, in our epistle lesson for today, Paul contrasts the spirit of this world with the spirit who is of God. In other words, the Holy Spirit. And Paul concludes that the spirit of this world and the spirit that is from God, the Holy Spirit, are in conflict with one another. Indeed, in the absence of truth, the spirit of this world will rush in and try to draw us to that which seems right to us, that which seems interesting or intriguing to us, or worse yet, that which entertains us. For example, in Corinth, the people Paul was addressing in our epistle lesson for today, some were being drawn to speakers who were dazzling people with their rhetoric. 
people who could wow them with their speaking abilities and entertain them regardless of the content of that rhetoric. And the spirit of this world was certainly not limited only to Corinth at that time. For if you were to go to Caesarea Philippi at the time of Jesus, you could worship in a temple dedicated to the false god Pan, who was depicted with a human-like face and the body of a goat, believe it or not. And at Caesarea Philippi, you could sit in front of a large stone wall, a wall that had many niches carved in it, each one of those niches containing a representation to a false god. And you could pray to as many or as few of those as you wished, all of them just pieces of wood or metal or stone, To these and many other dead ends, the spirit of this world is only too happy to lead us. If we are going to know the truth, and if we are going to know the true God, this true God is going to have to reveal that truth and reveal himself to us. And that's exactly what he has done. First, in his written word, the God-breathed words from God himself, and also in the Word of God incarnate. The Word of God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. These are our two sources of the true God and truth itself. These two sources tell us all that we need to know about God, about ourselves, about our relationship to this God, and about eternity. But there's still a problem. The spirit of this world does not receive the things that come from God. The spirit of this world considers those things to be foolishness and folly. And so the spirit rejects those things and declines to believe them. For example, some working with the spirit of this world say that they want proof. They want a demonstration that Jesus is exactly who he says he is. But just stop to consider how many people witnessed miracle after miracle after miracle that Jesus performed with their own eyes and then in the end simply turned and walked away from him. Some operating with the spirit of this world say that the teachings of no religion should be placed above the teachings of another religion. They say that all religions have their positive points, and what one person finds to be true for them may not be what another person finds to be true for themselves. And the basic tenet is we are not to force our truth onto someone else which flies directly in the face of the exclusive claim of Jesus, that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And still others operating by the spirit of this world, just as in those days in Corinth, would direct us to that which seems big 
and impressive and successful, intriguing, interesting, and entertaining, regardless of its content. We, even as members of Christ's own church, are tempted to operate at times not from the Spirit of God, but from the Spirit of this world. And from time to time, you can even hear us mouthing things that come not from the Spirit of God, but from the Spirit of this world. It's a mighty enticing temptation. But thanks be to God, He has not abandoned us to the Spirit of this world. He has given us His Holy Spirit as a gift to us and to His entire Christian church. And it's only through this Holy Spirit that we can understand the mystery of God long hidden for generations. That mystery that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, bringing the world back to Him once again, not counting our sins against us. God had to reveal that to us, make it known to us, and it's only through the Holy Spirit that we can receive it, comprehend it, and most important, believe it. Just two verses following our epistle lesson for today, Paul speaks about the natural man. In other words, the man who is without the Spirit. And Paul concludes that the natural man cannot receive the things of God. It's absolutely impossible for him. Paul says they are foolishness to him because they must be spiritually discerned. Or remember how Luther stated this truth in his explanation to the third article of the Apostles' Creed dealing with the Holy Spirit. I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, come to Jesus Christ my Lord or believe in him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the one true faith. For most of us here this morning, I dare say that that first visitation by the Holy Spirit in our lives happened right there at the baptismal font, the washing of regeneration and renewal in the Holy Spirit. There the Holy Spirit came to us working through the Word of God, creating faith in Jesus Christ, and in so doing, washing away all of our sin, giving us a new robe of righteousness, Christ's own righteousness, with which we are still adorned before our God, and making us, in baptism, heirs of eternal life. But the working of the Holy Spirit did not stop there in our lives. He continues daily through the Word of God to strengthen us and nurture us in that same Christian faith, to cause us to grow and mature in that faith, to move our will to turn away from the Spirit of this world and toward His Holy Spirit, toward a life that is God-pleasing, and more Christ-like from day to day. And as if all this were not enough, 
that same Holy Spirit is interceding for each one of us before the very throne of God. In Romans chapter 8, Paul writes that the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know for what we should pray, but the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with sighs and groanings too deep for words to express. Just stop and consider for a moment all that the Holy Spirit has done and continues to do for each and every one of us. He has called us to faith in Jesus Christ. He continues to strengthen and nurture that faith. He works daily through the Word in our lives to cause us to mature and grow in that faith and turn away to a more God-pleasing type of life. And He intercedes for us continually before the throne of God. Where would we be without the Holy Spirit in our lives? Let's not even think about it. Instead, let's simply give thanks and praise to God for his gift of the Holy Spirit to us and to the entire Christian church. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds in this one true faith unto life everlasting. Amen. We stand to confess the Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. 